One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I gotta stop aspirating like that. Um, anyway, hi guys. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm the host. With me this week is Joe, the fantastic co-host. Uh, he's currently not wearing a luchador outfit, I don't think. No, the, ma- say, the mask is at the cleaners. I, I actually say, I legitimately did, have one. I know, I've seen pictures of it. Um, didn't you make a Miles Morales one? I have an, I have an entire... I, I have my own spider persona. I'm not even joking. Like you know how people have like their own OCs and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know what it is. I I'm have, hit. I have a, I have a Spider Sona. I legitimately have made my own outfit for Spider Man from scratch, actually. Uh, so yes, I have a a, a Boricua Spider Man outfit. I don't know why people would find that unusual. Um, <laughs> just just to make sure, just in case people are going to give Joe crap, I'll I'll throw something in there. I have been spending this past week watching dance covers. Of K-pop songs, not K-pop songs themselves, but <laughs> groups of dancers who just dance to them. So there you go. That's my thing. Go ahead and make fun of this book. Anyway, uh, we got some top stories to talk about before we get on to the emails and questions and so forth. Uh, the first one I want to talk about really fast because it's it's not there's not a ton to talk about. It's just interesting. Diablo three seasons twenty two is coming out this month. Uh, specifically, it's coming out on November twentieth, which is three days before Shadowlands. I like to call this. You can do this for three days. And then you can stop because let's be honest, um, Shadowlands is probably the most anticipated expansion since Legion, and possibly more anticipated than Legion in a lot of ways. I've seen a lot of interesting interest, interesting interest. Oh my god, I've seen a lot of interest in the game and in the expansion in particular. So there's some stuff that I'm not particularly jazzed about. But at any rate, if you had to pick between the two, I'm pretty sure I know what you'd pick. But let's throw that out there to you anyway, Joe. What, what do you, what do you think I would pick? I would think you'd pick Diablo 2-3. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, sure, we'll go with that. Honestly, I've been I've been pretty excited about the new season. Uh, in case you don't know and you want to know, Season 22's got the Shades of the Nephilim theme, which uh, basically whenever you click on a pylon or uh, shrine, thank you, Brain, for eventually coming up with the word, uh, you spawn a Shadow Clone of your character. The Shadow Clone has one of three basic random specs for your class, and they, they follow you around for a minute or until you die, and they just chain attack everything around you. So I've actually always wanted them to do a, a season theme that had a pylon or, or shrine effect, so I'm pretty happy about that. And yeah, it's, it's, it's an exciting power. It's pretty neat. Um, the other thing that it has also, though, built into this season is an extra Kanai's Cube slot. Normally you only get three. One weapon, one armor, one jewelry. This time you'll get a fourth one that can be any of them. It can be a weapon, it can be a jewelry, or it can be an armor. So you can have two weapons, two weapon powers for your Kanai's Cube, or you can have two jewelry powers or two armor powers. Uh, you can double up on one on one category, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to playing around with it and seeing if I can come up with anything interesting to do with it. But yeah, that I, I know that this is because of things that have happened, uh, the, the global pandemic, mm-hmm. having to push back Shadowlands release date. This, it's just there's, after a while, you just have to take it. You just have to say, look, it's just going to have to happen that way. Both season 22 of Diablo 3 and Shadowlands were pushed back due to testing and other issues. 
Yeah. And that's just what happens. Uh, but having said that, I feel really bad for Diablo 3 because no one's going to play that season. Uh, once Shadowlands comes out, everyone's going to forget that Diablo 3 exists for a month, except for a few diehard Diablo's. Uh, so I feel bad about that. Uh, but also, uh, the WoW Anniversary event, which started last week, I believe. Um, uh, yep. It's been, it's been from the 1st of November, I think, till the 15th. I want to say that's correct. Yeah, I don't remember the end date of it, but it's still going right now. So if you've... Uh, that's pretty ironic for another reason, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But yeah, if, you, if you've missed it up to this point, if you haven't gotten any of the uh, world bosses, you can still do it. They're all up. Uh, Kazakh, the Dragons of Nightmare, and Azurgos. I finally got the, the two-hand sword off of Azurgos uh, Typhoon, and oh, I used nice. it. I used it as my main weapon for about a week on that Paladin before today. And I said before today because today they released the pre-expansion event. Yes. So if you've been waiting for the pre-expansion event, uh, they have released it. Let's just talk about it up front. Uh, the, there's this one. I don't, I don't think this is a spoiler because as soon as you log in, it's a quest that's right on the map and you get a quest to go do it really relatively quickly. So, but in just in case, if you want to know nothing about this for whatever reason, uh, skip five minutes ahead or so. When you get into the world, one of the things you do is you, you go to Stormwind or Orgrimmar and you find out what's been going on. You, you get to see a neat little cinematic that shows all this stuff happening. You're sent around to go figure out what's going on with the Scourge. Why are, this, why are they there? Why are they attacking? And you're given a quest. When you finish all that, you're given two quests. One is to go up to Northrend. The other is to go to the Maris Stead. Yep. Because Nathanos Blightcaller needs to get his face kicked in. And you get this both of your Horde or Alliance. Uh, and... Do you want to talk about it? Like, I know we're going to talk about it on the show. Do you want to talk about how it ends, the ending cinematic? Yeah, I mean, we definitely can. And again, sorry, spoilers and entail. It's the this wonderful moment, and I, I must have watched this cinematic five times since I got home from work. Uh, it's this wonderful thing where Nathanos is being Nathanos, and he's, you know, being all smug and smarmy and, you know, is that the best you got? And then he gets shot so hard and yeeted through this wonderful mist of the plague lands and pinned to the wall of the stead. Uh, and he gets this wonderful smug and he's like, now it's getting interesting. And then gets absolutely housed uh, by Tarand without her even breaking a sweat. Like, and that was one of the most beautiful things about it. Like he's trying to be cocky. He's trying to be, you know, this consummate in control, trying to make the jibes to throw her off. And nothing. She's so calm. She's so cool. And she just absolutely destroys him. And then she does this wonderful scene where, hey, where is she? And we all know who she is. And Nathanos starts on his thing. Uh, she's with him in the dark place. And you'll never find her. She is. And he just keeps going on and on. And she says, where is she? And, you know, he's going on and on. And she just kills him. There, there's no playful banter. There's no mercy. It's him on his knees dying to her blade. And then she just turns around and walks away. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. So I, I, I love it. And, and somebody in chat saying that he got what he wanted. Eh, we don't know. We don't know yet. We st- I tend to think, I tend to agree with the person in chat who said that he got what he wanted. I didn't like that. My, my dream for what would have happened would be that she would have kept him alive, just ripped his tongue out, ripped his arms and legs off, and then like chained him to Teldrassil so he could hang there, unable to talk. Because that's the thing that's really going to bug Nathanos. Being unable to serve Sylvanas and being unable to talk. Because killing him, I, I do think he's going to pop back up in the Shadowlands. Uh, but I will say that I did like that she all completely no-sold him. Yeah. Like, finally... Somebody just reminds you that he was a minor quest giver in classic. He's not like he's been elevated to a pretty high level, but this is not a guy who was originally taking on gods. And I like that. We finally get a sense that, you know, he's been, he's been trying to toy with her for like a while now. And she just was like, no, you are out of your league. You have always been out of your league. You are somebody else's apron you know, apron string. You are not important. And, and I like that. I did like that. I just feel like it, I do agree with you. Um, who said it? Do you remember? Uh, this is from Azure Hacks. Azure Hacks. I agree with you that that was what he wanted and he will come back. Uh, but I feel like she at this point doesn't care. Yeah. Like, it's not important to her. 
The only thing she wanted from him was the information as to where Sylvanas was. When he was not forthcoming enough, she just said, okay, and moved on. You'll note that when you do the, the, this whole thing, when you start the pre-expansion event, you see various people uh, being faced face down by Sylvanas's agents. You see um, Anduin get grabbed by chains and dragged off into the sky. You know that you find out very quickly that Thrall, Bane, Jaina, and Anduin all get kidnapped. When they come for Sylvan- when they come for Tyrande, she takes them out. Yeah, and it's even the horde comments on it. Like it's yeah, you know her agents, you know, came for everybody. Oh, you know, and then uh, what? Is it, why can I not remember her name now? The rogue, uh, Valeria Sanguinar. Yeah, thank you, uh, Valera Sanguinar. Yeah, she uh, she basically says no, you don't understand. She took them all out. Like she destroyed them. They couldn't touch her, and it's like. Ooh, yeah, that's it, it's it's nice to see Tehran getting some time to be that bad, you know, like like to be that powerful, to be that in control. It was nice to see. Um, and yeah. whether or not whether or not Nathanos got what he wanted, um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe Sylvanas lied to him because I, I mean, I think he got what he wanted, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work out in his favor. Yeah, and, he, and, and he shows up in the mall, and she's like, "Yeah, whatever. I don't need you anymore." That could be a problem for him. Yep, and I think that might be a thing that happens as well. And so, who knows? But yeah, no, it's oh, it's yeah. a fun time. It's a fun time for pre expand or pre expansion event stuff. I haven't seen any griefing yet, which I'm surprised about. Um, I, I, it's still it's still early days, but I, yeah, I've actually I did I've done the Thanos um seven times today, uh, because I had a bunch of vaults I wanted to get weapons for. He drops uh, when you do the there's a world quest when you do it you get a, a level item level one fifteen weapon so if you don't have one of those not bad um, and I did it like two of the times I did it there were both horde and alliance there yeah and when I mean griefing though I mean like what we were expecting or at least what I was expecting uh, was the whole undead infection thing from the very very first time um, and as Chad is saying. Uh, they nerfed zombies a lot from PTR, and it's possible that they do ramp up. Who knows? Uh, but I remember way back during the original Scourge invasion, you could not be in a city. You could not be there. There was no safe place. Uh, yeah, as of as of today, it wasn't barely even noticeable. Like I think I saw one at one point. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely think you're right in that they have reduced it from the PTR, which uh, the PTR, from what uh, I understand, was actually really bad. It was very hard to get anything done. Yeah, and I think they have to balance that. Like I understand that some people may find that fun, but some of us don't. I don't have time for that type of shenanigans. If I'm going to get in and do my stuff, I want to get in and do my stuff. But yeah, who knows? We'll see. We'll see if it ramps up. It's entirely possible that it'll ramp up to the last day, and the last day will just be an absolute cluster of just undead going everywhere. Who knows? I've seen people are saying, you know, I remembered this being really fun, and it, but it's not actually all that much fun when I'm experiencing it. I feel like saying, you know, you were a lot younger when you did this the first time, guys. Yeah, we, we were all like, you know, late teens, early 20s. Uh... Not all of this, but yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, who knows? But anyway, yeah, so that's that's going on right now. Um, it's, it's still in its first week, so... Uh, there's more to come next week, and then after that, of course, on the 23rd, we will be having the Shadowlands launch, and we'll all get to see the new content for the first time, which I'm going to say if it, it, it's interesting what they've done here. I, I like some of the stuff they've done a lot, and I'm not going to go too much into this, but one of the things they've done that I really think is a good move is they've gone back to a slightly more linear style of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Instead of you get to a certain point, and then you can pick anywhere you want to go. I understand why they did that, and I thought it worked really well for Legion. I didn't feel like it worked as well for Battle for Azeroth, especially Alliance side, because I felt like the Alliance zones didn't feel cohesive um, because they were so big. They they actually felt ended up feeling more like zones within zones. Um, uh, Stormsong Valley, in particular, had like these two completely unrelated storylines. One is the big Horde invasion, and the other is like you know what's really going on with the fleet. And they're not connected by much of anything other than they just both happen. Uh, Drusfar are a little bit more connected. Tears, Tears Guard. I want to say Tears Guard. It's not Tears Guard, but I can't remember the the, the whatever it is. Teary something. Um, that area didn't feel like even remotely cohesive. Like there's the the bit where you're trying to figure out what what uh, Ashvane's up to, and then there's like all the random stuff that happens on your way through it. I felt like the Horde zones were a little bit better 
in that regard. Uh, especially Nazmir, I felt like Nazmir Horde side. I felt like Nazmir was a lot more unified than the Alliance zones were. Not that they were bad. I'm not saying they were bad zones. I just feel like the Horde, the Horde experience to me, felt more cohesive. Uh, especially Nazmir and Voldoon. Not so much for Zandalar, but I didn't get very far, Lar, so I could be. I mean, I like. I think the the Horde story was a very. It was at least consistent because everything terminated by coming back to a central point, right? Like, yeah, every everything had like that touch touch point. Uh, it was always about the Zandalar. It was always about the insurgents. It was always about, you know, it didn't matter where you went. It was always trying to keep the Zandalari together and and, and whatever. Um, and they did a really good job of that. And I think that the choose your own adventure stuff works to a certain extent. I like the idea of choosing where you go, but I actually think Shadowlands is doing it probably the best option I think they can, which is you are ostensibly given a guided tour through all the zones to get to max level. You get to experience a bit of the story from all the zones, and then you get to choose which story you want to continue exploring. And it gives you a little Mm -hmm. sample of everything. So then you can make an educated choice. And I I like that. I think that's a good idea. And also once you've gotten your first character through, um, when you got, if you start your next character and you get to a certain point in the story, you don't, you can pick, okay, just give me a covenant now. And instead of going through and doing all that stuff you did before again, you start doing world quests to level immediately. And it's much more like adventure mode from Diablo 3. And I think that's a good choice because it lets people decide, do I want to see it all again? Do I want to get a sense of how this works? Or do I just want to pick a covenant and go? And both both options work once you've done the original go through. So I think that's a good choice. I think in general, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. Uh, I don't know how I feel about Soulbinds. I'll be upfront, But in general... I'm starting to get pretty excited. I think that's the general the general air of the game seems to be that people feel excited I, for this expansion. I would agree. And I think it's a, a really good time. I've seen a lot of players start coming back to the game that completely glossed over Battle for Azeroth. I, I think that this is, I don't want to say one of the most anticipated, but I, I think it's going to be as anticipated as Legion was at the very least. Yeah, I'd be willing to agree with that. I think to a certain degree, and I don't. We've we've talked about it before, so I don't feel the need to blur it. But I think part of the problem was always going to be that if people knew going into Battle for Azeroth that it was going to be about the old gods more than it was going to be about anything else, like the 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 enemy, the end enemy was the old gods, and that was the thread that was like in the background through a lot of it. I think people would have been more patient with it, but they felt like, well, it's it's obviously this faction war, and I don't want to do the faction war, you know. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of players, that was uh, some players loved it and love faction war, and some players don't. So that's pretty much all we had for this week uh, to talk about. So I guess at this point, we'll move on to doing them the questions and emails that we do. Uh, if you have a question for the show, uh, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for this show. Or you can do that thing where you say, oh, either show, and then, you know, the, the music from that Star Trek episode where Kirk and Spock fought over Kirk, over Spock's wife starts playing and I was thinking uh, of the battle the battle music from the lizard. No, no, because no, it's it's the because let's face it, I mean you're gonna pick the on wound. Yeah, I'm gonna pick the 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 swoopy thing. It's it's you know it's, it's fair. It's totally fair. But you know if you don't want to do that, if you want to hit up our Discord. We've got the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel for people who are our patrons. And I do recommend being a patron for of the show because, A, it, it pays my salary. And, and also, B, it means we can do more cool stuff like podcasts. If you've ever wondered, like, you know, what would it be like if Joe and Matt did more podcasts? Well, you can make that happen. Um, or you can also ask a question if you, don't, if you can't be a patron for whatever reason because we still appreciate you. There's the Q Questions channel on our Discord server, and you can still ask questions for this show or for the Q or for the other show, Lore Watch, uh, that Joe and I do. And, yeah, we'll take them from any source. But we like to look in the, the, Q and, the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel first because we said we would. And we like to give people things for supporting us. It's just incentive. It's just nice. uh, but, yeah, Joe's going to read the uh, questions for us now. So if you don't mind, Joe. Absolutely, and of, of course, right now because uh, Bellic decided to uh, to give us that cue, uh, cue Star Trek fight music as Joe and Matt decide which podcast this question belongs in. As a matter of fact, I will actually splice in a couple seconds of the Star Trek battle music here.
Greetings, Joe. I'm a doctor and a podcast. <laughs> Greetings, watchers. About a year ago, I asked you this question. With Shadowlands coming, I was hoping for an update. I'm an Alliance player. For those of us who don't play Horde, how can we learn more about Buam Samdi and the other Loa? Uh, it seems like they're going to play a major role in Shadowlands, but outside of your podcast, I don't have much context, especially in game. Your thoughts would be appreciated. For the Alliance! Bellic of Dragonblade. I mean, uh, the easiest way is to play Horde. I, I mean, that that is the easiast way to do it. Um, there's a site called Blizzard Watch that occasionally writes lore <laughs> articles. You could read those. Uh, I don't know if you've actually done anything about Buon Sandy. That might be a good idea to do something. Yeah, that's a... But we have generally talked about Loa and Trolls and all that stuff before. Um, there's also other sources. Like, for instance, they just put out Shadows Rising, uh, a really good novel by, by Madeline Rue. Madeline Rue. I always forget. Here's the thing. I'm bad with names, guys. That's all I have. But Madeline Rue, we did an interview with her a, a few months back, and she was really great, uh, just really nice to talk to. And uh, she did a good job on that book, quite frankly. If you want to learn a little bit more about Bond Zandy, there you go. You read the book. That'll help. I know some people don't like to read books or other outside media, but if you're, you're not going to play Horde, that's where almost all of Bond Zandy's story is. Uh, it's not really, you know, he's a Zandalari Loa. There's not a ton of story for him in the Alliance. We don't have any trolls, unfortunately. Uh, I think we should, quite frankly. Um, there can be like six different kinds of elves, and I think we could have like trolls that were like, you know, not we can we can have a lone we can have a loner program. We'll take some dwarves on the horde side. You can take some trolls on the Alliance side. It'll be fine. It'll be a cultural exchange. We're good. You guys hate dwarves more than anything. I love dwarves. The horde doesn't. Torin hate them. Orcs hate them. Yeah, it just makes makes dwargar. It's fine. We, we did that, and they still stay in the Alliance. I know. Grumble. It's weird <laughs> that you guys keep saying Horde players love dwarves, but the Horde itself hates them. Yeah. I mean, Torin really hate them because they keep digging up their stuff. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, that's a, those are my recommendations. You got anything, Joe? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to flo- like ta- like flout our stuff. We between the Lore Watch podcast, uh, the the site itself, those are great resources. Several of the Blizzard Watch staff actually do stream, uh, and occasionally we will do uh, leveling streams. You can check our various Twitters for when that is. Um, the other thing that you can do if you don't want to read the books, which I highly recommend reading uh, the anything to do with Bomb Zombie, so in this case, uh, Shadows Rising is a great option. There are other lore-focused folks out there that do breakdowns uh, in video format of specifically... Uh, topics like what's Bomb Sandy's story, and then they do an entire hour long episode on stuff like that. Um, so that content is out there. Uh, you can find it if you want to catch up on it. Uh, but I do think that the best way, even if you don't want to stick with Horde, the best way to experience it really would be roll a Horde tune, go through Battle for Azeroth, at least just through the main stories of the zones. Uh, in particular, you could just you can just do Nazmir, um, and get the bulk of that stuff. Uh, and then I think you'll be okay, at least to understand more about Wamsamdi. So that, that's my two cents. <laughs> all right. Anything else? No, I mean, I think that's pretty much all we really need. Um, I will say this, that Wamsamdi is a fascinating character. Uh, and it is definitely worth your time to get to learn more about him. Um, just, I, I really feel like the, the, just the by itself, the Vol'jin quest where you get to see him interacting with various figures does a good job of revealing more. I'm really going to say I get not wanting to play Horde. I kind of didn't want to play Horde this past expansion. It was very hard for me. And if that's your, if that's just the choice you've made, that's fine. But you can do like Joe said, you can look online pretty easily and you can mm-hmm. find other people have played them and you can just watch the video. I'll, you don't even necessarily need to play it. And I mean, and I'll give, I'll give a shout out. We've, we've, we've done a show with him in the past. Uh, it was one of the weeks that Matt was out when Anne was still doing lower watch. We, I think we had Jesse from lost codex on, uh, and he does great content as well. So like, I know I'm, I'm almost a thousand percent certain that he did a, an episode on bomb zombie. So like there, there's stuff out there. All right. Our next question. Good morning to the two sexiest men in wild podcasting. Well, okay then. When, when, <laughs> when are they getting here? <laughs> so I swab around exiles reach. I found nothing. Lots of beautifully created environment features and lots of missed opportunity. No wildlife, no tortolan under sea bars. 
No chests, no NPCs. Imagine if they introduced new players to basic lore, faction tensions, races, etc. through exploring the island. Don't get me wrong, the questing is very cool, but wouldn't it be cool if there was more? Thank you for all the work you do. Finally, isn't it about time that you had Anne on as a special guest? Um, uh, this is from Chris. Chris, I actually don't know if we're allowed to do that because now she actually has to have that verified and uh, checked off by people that are uh, pretty you know, important as far as deciding who goes on what shows. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not that we don't like to want to have her around. It's that she is busy and like something really cool with her life. Yeah. The reason we can have her on the, uh, the D and D podcast is because it has nothing to do with wow whatsoever. Yep. But, uh, to, to answer your question, I mean, on the one hand, yes, that stuff would be cool. But on the other hand, um, sometimes you need to know what you're trying to do and you need to focus on what you're trying to do. The, the exiles reach is an introductory experience. It is basically a tutorial mode for playing World of Warcraft, not for the lore of World of Warcraft. Although the lore of World of Warcraft is part of it, the story does reveal things. But the main purpose of Exiles Reach is to teach you, the new player, how to play this. Mm -hmm. And if, even if you're not a new player, you're, you might be on a new character class you've never played before. And again, they're still trying to teach you how to play it. And that's their primary focus. It's not really designed... like. If you think about it, you're starting off at level one. If you try and populate the area around the island with stuff that's not related to what you're doing, uh, it'll either be wiping people out as they attempt to explore it, or it'll be so underpowered that they're just going to waltz through it. Um, yeah. Stuff doesn't really scale exactly on Exile's Reach. I mean, there's stuff you go as you go up in level, stuff you encounter goes up in level, but it's not like just everything is always the same level as you. So. I don't again. I I don't think it would be bad to have really neat stuff on the island to like to find and so forth. But I remember when I did Exiles Reach. There's one particular thing that's a uh, the 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 mob in question is a rare spawn that you need to get a group to kill. Uh, especially since even if you're wearing heirlooms, it's just too hard for like a level five character to solo this thing. Mm -hmm. It's just you know it's just a it's a really hard bear to fight, and you need a group. And if you're unlucky enough that you just can't get a group for whatever reason, uh, you're not going to kill it. And I feel like having an entire island full of like random uh, cool moments could actually end up with that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I get why you like it. Uh, I, I, I did the Timeless Isle and, and I did Hellfire, um, not Hellfire, uh, Tanan Jungle. I did Tanan Jungle I, and, mm -hmm. and Argus. Mm -hmm. I get what you're talking about. I don't think, I think Exiles Reach was trying to be simpler. And it was trying to basically be, here is a step-by-step -step thing. As you play through this, it will show you how to play this game. I feel like that was their focus. Yeah, and I think the biggest problem that I, I, I'm always going to try to argue for more lore or to get people started with little nuggets of lore, but the way they have it designed right now is fixes a problem that the game has had for a very long time. We have to bear in mind that this game is 16 years old. Uh, it's been around for a while. There's a lot of story in this game. We've gone through how many expansions at this point, how many uh, story arcs, how many NPCs have been introduced, how many important events have happened just in the span of that 16 years of this game. Like when Vanilla WoW first released, we're like, oh, we're, you know, we have three massive wars and those were like our touch, uh, like our touch points. And now how much has happened since then that it sort of dwarfs almost those three wars. Um, the problem with you get into is when you start introducing lore is what lore? What do you introduce players to? What tidbits do you try to put in there to entice them that doesn't leave something else out because everything is so interwoven at this point? Uh, I talk about why Shadowlands is really exciting to me because the story of Shadowlands is new, right? It's yes, there's some things that they're keen off of that have been around for a little while, i.e. the Shadowlands, but it was never really well defined, so everything that we're learning is new. It's not tethered. It, it's being interwoven as we experience it. And it's been very rare that we've had an expansion that's done that. Um, so what do you show those players? And then you run the risk of showing them the wrong thing, or too much, or too little. Like Matt said, they could gloss right past it. Uh, it could be too much of a diversion. Exile's Reach really is supposed to be the training wheels for people that are brand new to playing an MMO. And with Shadowlands now becoming a little more popular with, you know, I, I hear a lot of people that have never played WoW before or haven't played WoW in a decade. 
are coming back to a game and trying to learn how to play again, and they love the experience because it does exactly that. It teaches them the basics of it um, in a way that, you know, this is movement, this is questing, this is grouping, this is how a dungeon works. Stuff that they may have remembered at one point but have forgotten, and now they're getting refreshers on. And then the game lets you choose what you experience, and it gives you a decent synopsis of what you're choosing, at least in terms of what the content will be. So, like, I think what they have it set up right now is players do get a choice of what story they're going to experience as they're leveling after they exit Exile's Reach, and I think that's the best part. Um, I don't know that they could really cram lore into that experience successfully. Anything else to add to that? Uh, no, I just I do think that it would be nice if at some point Blizzard sat down and started thinking about a new ways to unfold lore. The last real innovation they did was the in-game rendered cinematics, which I really like. Uh, and I would like to see them, you know, do more stuff along those lines. And I'd like to see more Lorewalker stuff, man. I thought that was some of the coolest storytelling uh, way to, to info dump stuff that they ever had in game. So who knows? All right. Our next one. Hello, Cold Lords. So it's time to go. And we're a couple <laughs> and we're a couple weeks from Shadowlands. And I'm wondering if anyone else feels like I do. I don't want it. I want to stay level 50 forever. I don't want to level to 60 and deal with soul binds and conduits and all of that. Am I alone here? Uh, I definitely am excited for Shadowlands, so I can't really... I don't think you're alone, but I'm definitely not somebody that's on that train. Like, I'm I'm okay with moving past level 50 and experiencing new content, experiencing new story, experiencing new soul, the soul binds and conduits. Uh, I think it's a really exciting time to be a player because all that stuff is new and it's getting like that fresh coat of paint on your old favorite, you know, toy. So I, I mean, I can kind of understand where you're going. I mean, like, it's kind of cool to be level 50 right now. Cause like you're relatively well geared. You're, you know, you've, you've got your abilities. You're there's always that weird thing when you start going from 50 to 60 or from, you know, whenever you go into any new expansion, there's that feeling of, oh, okay, I leveled now I'm weaker. Oh, I just got rid of that gear I've had. You know, that really cool item I got from that raid. I've replaced it with a green. Um, and the soul binds and conduits that is complicated. I don't blame you for um, overwhelmed by it. That's that's fair. But it's not so complicated that I I want to not have it and just stay fifty forever. And I definitely want to get out of Boralus. Um, I I feel like the story of Battle for Azeroth never really came together for me, and I want to get done. I want to put it behind me and move on to the next expansion. Um, I want to see what the story of Shadowlands has in store. It's not that Battle for Azeroth was bad. I've argued many times that it wasn't bad. You can't have this many talented people work on something and have it be oh, yeah. bad, but it doesn't necessarily didn't necessarily do what I wanted it to do, and I'm thinking Shadow Shadowlands can do. So... Yeah, I'm not concerned. I'm not as as concerned with whether or not I'm 50 or 60. That doesn't matter to me one way or the other. But I'm definitely wanting to see the new zones. I want to go to Ardenweave. I want to go to Bastion. I want to go to Revenge. Um, I want to go to Maldraxxus and see those zones and explore those those new places. And um, there's there's enough room on that map that I really feel like they're going to put in others other places at some point. And they you can know? expand that out like as much as they want to. They did it in the past, yeah. right? Like. I think that's part of it for me, too. Like, that's a big part of the excitement is when Vanilla WoW first released, I was getting to explore a world in a different perspective that I had grown to love in the RTSs. And it was all new. It was all fresh. It was all wonderful. And I got to experience all this wonderful story and, you know, some really cool things that never could have existed before. And as expansions moved on, some of them were, I really resonated with me. Some of them didn't. Battle for Azeroth was not a bad expansion, but it didn't resonate with me because I, I was never into the war between the factions ever. Like that was never my my main thing when I when World of Warcraft became its own entity. It was all about exploration and learning and experiencing the world and fighting as a hero against these big uh, existential threats and it getting increasingly worse and dealing with the aftermath of that to a certain degree. And that's what excited me about the game. And anytime it swings back to well, it's about the the faction war, I lose interest and. Battle for Azeroth had that, and I know that some players really, really love that, and not taking any of that away from them. But I'm starting to feel like I did now, like I did with uh, Vanilla WoW way back in the day, and the last time I felt like this was probably Mist of Pandaria, is I'm getting to explore a new area. 
I'm getting to explore something that is fresh, that has never really been fully fleshed out, that may have been uh, mentioned in in hushed tones, or uh, I never really expected that I would experience like Pandaria. Like they talked about, you know, the 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 world turtle, the the wandering turtle in the art the RPG book, but. That was it. And they talk about it in Warcraft 3 when we had the Brewmaster hero. That was really about it. And then getting to see it more and experience like that culture and, and the lands there, it was really exciting to me. Uh, and now I'm starting to get that as well because everything in Shadowlands has a very distinct feel to it. And that's really, really cool because you go to Ardenweald, it is way different than Maldraxxus. It's way different than Bastion. You feel like you're entering a complete world and learning and, and exploring. And there are so many things to find that it's it's hard not to be excited, at least in my, in, in my viewpoint for that, because it's all fresh and all new and you're getting to uncover things. It's it's super rad. So and I and again, I get that, like Matt said, that you. There are people out there that want to stay level 50, that that feel really good about things that are right now, that don't want to go deal with the new things. Totally valid. And I I see you. I support you. Uh, but I'm just definitely not in that number. Uh, anything else to add to that one, Matt? Uh, no, because I have to get back into the game because I just got logged out. I did see that. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's go ahead and do our last one then. No, there's two. There's two? Oh, there is two. I apologize. Second to last. This one is from our friend Vertigree. Question for Blizzard Watch Pod or Lore Watch Pod from Vertigree. Well, we know where it wound up. Uh, to the anticipators of frozen storms. Although it's 23 degrees C here in Ontario. Very hot. You know, hell yeah. How nice for you. <laughs> like three feet of snow outside my house. I, I It was... 70 F here, so I can't complain. How did the Scourge physically get everywhere, especially Kalimdor? I know even the relatively short swim north to the Isle of Kualdanas was enough of an obstacle for Arthas to freeze the ocean so the Scourge could walk over. So I thought, no way they walked underwater through the whole ocean. But there's that frost rake down there, though. Uh, it's still a lot of water pressure. Yours, Vertigree. What do you think, Matt? How did they get there? Uh, they got taken there by the Legion, generally. Remember Rage Winterchill? Oh, a yeah. Of, a bunch of Scourge came over with the Legion. Yeah. After how the Legion get there, I'm assuming they take portals. Or spaceships, um, so, though. We know they have spaceships. Yeah, but I meant for the during the Third War, the Legion showed up. Um, they were un, Remember the Undead actually showed up uh, in the... If you watch the Night Elf campaign, it's the Night Elves run into Undead first. Mm-hmm. And then demons after that. So they, they came over and the Burning Legion brought them. Yeah. I was hoping for a longer answer, but sorry. <laughs> that, one's, that one's relatively easy enough that Burning Legion brought them to, to Kalimdor. Yeah, and I mean, you can still see, like, liches and stuff like that. Like, uh, what is it? Uh, Razor Friend Downs. That's one of the yep. things. There's a lich there. Out of the cold bear, yep. Yep. Um, so, I mean, undead could be anywhere. And e- there is also the possibility that maybe they could just walk underwater. They don't have to breathe. They maybe they floated across. Who knows? Maybe they made a raft of just undead zombies. That, well, for that matter, boats. It's not like the there are intelligent uh, undead at the top of the scourge hierarchy. They could, or they could fly one of the flying citadels over. Mm-hmm. In fact, I know that if you look at the original, the original scourge invasion way back when Nax was just coming out. Oh yeah, they're tiny they, little citadels. Had citadels, yeah, and they had the the like, when you went to Tenaris, there was like the the summoning areas. That had like the crystals that were like spreading the plague around. So, and they also sent plague grain to major capital cities. So they could definitely do that too. Lots of ways they could get uh, various scourge around the world whenever they needed to. They've got necromancers. They've got all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and also don't forget that at the time that Arthas did the whole thing where he froze the water, he wasn't. I don't think he was dead yet, was he? We had a conversation on Lore, on Lore Watch this weekend. I'm not digging that one up again. <laughs> As far as we know, he wasn't dead yet. His soul was blasted when he touched uh, Frostmourne, so it's possible he was dead inside. Possible. But it's also possible that he didn't want to swim in his heavy plate armor, because uh, unlike most other games, you swimming in plate mail is probably not too easy. Just throwing that out there. All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's all we got for that one. Uh, I guess we move on to our last one. This one's from Tetsemi. How much did you enjoy seeing... Tehran just dismantled Nathanos. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Like I said earlier, I watched that video five times. I'm probably going to watch it again when I get out, when we're done with the podcast. Uh, but I'm going to let Matt go because Matt has very strong feelings about what happens to the Night Elves. So Matt, 
please. I mean, on the one hand, I've wanted to see Nathanos get his teeth kicked in this entire expansion, and for most of Legion, too. Uh, I, I, I do not like uh, he's. I And when I say that, I don't mean he's a bad character or anything like that. I think he's extremely well acted and extremely well written. Um, I think Mitch mentioned the actor today. I don't remember his name, unfortunately. But, you know, sir, whoever you are, you do an amazing job. You play a smarmy jerk better than anybody. It's amazing. Um, and I, I I was very happy to see Taronda finally get to hurt one of them. Jim, Jim frank- Peary, by the way. Uh, quite frankly, this is what she should have done to him at Darkshore. This is what should have happened to him then. She should have killed him then. Uh, I don't know why they didn't let her. Uh, but I, I guess they wanted to keep him around for stuff that he was going to be doing in later stuff. Come definitely wanted him to get his comeuppance. And I definitely am very glad it was Taronda who gave it to him. Um, that's all great. But I, I do feel like it's hollow if he just comes back. It's hollow if she did give him what he wanted. As much as I, I said before, I believe I said it in the pre-show. Um, or I might have said it at the beginning of the show. But the, I like the way she completely no-sells him. Like, the way she just flat out is like, yeah, little man, why don't you come back when you're worth my time? Which is never going to be the case. You are never going to be worth my time. And I did like that. I, I, I like that she just outright stumped. But also, I kind of don't like that we kind of focus so much on on Nathanos and Sylvanas here. And we constantly keep acting like it's all their fault, everything that happened. Because it isn't. No, that's not. Until, until we deal with that narratively, not us players. It's not our player. It's not the player's fault. If you're a Horde player, it's not your fault. Uh, it is the, the narrative has been set up in such a way that the organization of the Horde needs to come to terms with its own behavior. And we saw some of that when, when uh, Sarfang was talking to Anduin, mm-hmm. where Anduin kept trying to excuse it. And Sarfang was like, no, you can't excuse this. We did it. We did these things. They're horrible things, and we did them, and we need to deal with it. And that's something I that's why I was a little disappointed when Sorfang died, because then he doesn't get to 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 bring that conversation into existence. He doesn't get to to show us. And so I do. I, I was very you know I'm I watched it about eight times. Like I, I watched it when I got to see it in game, but then unfortunately. Because the cinematic is fairly long and the Thanos is on a fairly short respawn timer, uh, I got done with the cinematic and he was back and attacking us. <laughs> so we all stood there for a while watching the cinematic and then we came out. There's the Thanos hitting us again. It's like, ah, I didn't like that. Um, but in general, yeah, I, I watched it quite a lot. I liked it quite a bit. But at the same time, I don't. I know that this is not the end of, of Taronda's story, nor should it be. This is just the beginning. And so I'm very much that 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 has me looking forward to what happens next on a completely different level though this thing's amazing like the animation is amazing mm-hmm. did you look at her face both of their faces the amount of... so one of the things that uh we always talk about in storytelling with like visuals is show don't tell and that's something like it's been for in wow's past like you look at some of the older cinematics it was a lot of telling and some showing because that's what the in-game engine could allow. That's what the 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 engine at the time for the cinematics could allow. And looking at where it's come to now, like, oh boy. Like, look at those faces. Look at the expression on both of them. They're just, it is just phenomenal. Uh, I, like, seriously tip my hat to the cinematics team uh, like I, I owe you guys a beer or something, you, you folks a beer uh, or drink of your choice because they've just gotten so exquisite. And it's not just here, too. Like looking at some of the ones from Battle for Azeroth, like the stuff with Jaina, she's been so expressive throughout all of Battle for Azeroth, any any cinematic she's been in. Uh, but all of the faces throughout everything in the cinematic when you first log in and this one, oof, it's it's good. It's real good. It's it makes you feel like they don't have to be talking, and which is good for Tehran because she doesn't say a whole lot. But if you slow it down and you watch her face, you watch her body motion, you watch the interaction during the, the fight, it, it tells you what her mindset is. It tells you where she is as a warrior. It tells you what's happening with her in such a beautiful way. Like, oh, so good. One of the things that people have said in the past, one of the criticisms of Taronda has been that her... She's over the top in her emotional um, presentation. Mm-hmm. And this time, this this was the most understated 
performance I've seen out of Taronda in a very long time. And this is the same, like Taronda had the same voice actor for a long time. Uh, her name's Elisa Gabrielle, uh, and she still is the, the voice actor as of Battle for Azeroth. And so that was her again. And I think that she basically answered any criticism anyone's ever given her because that was such a beautifully understated, just where is she? And when he tur- he goes off on his spiel, you know, bringing up the people who died at, at Teldrassil, all that, and she just, rep- she just replies again, where is she? She doesn't care about what he has to say. She cares about one thing, and when he refuses to give it to her, she just kills him. And, and as Red points out in chat, that whisper for Teldrassil was so strongly delivered. Like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. The the emotion in that moment was like, it it, it hits you. Like, I don't There's care. There's like absolutely no exaltation there. Yep. There's nothing about, she doesn't celebrate. There's no triumph. She's not victorious. She's just, I did, you know, it's just a statement like, you know, Russell. It is yep. be- beautiful, beautiful. I really, I feel like people who haven't been giving her her due as an actress really need to watch this cinematic because she does an amazing job with the very few lines she's given. And the and the, the animators and cinematic team uh, did a brilliant job with the faces of the characters and with the body posture of the characters. The absolute poise Taronda has throughout that entire thing. When he comes at her with two axes, she's like, it's not boredom. She's very intent and very focused, but he doesn't like, there's absolutely no point where he even pressures her. Yeah. Like she, there's, yeah. she doesn't break a sweat and it, and it reinforces what we know about the night warrior, what we've learned about the night warrior and the scale of the power on top of Tron's years of experience. Right? Like she's, everybody's like, Oh, she's just a priestess. No, she's lived through quite a number of things. Yeah, she, was, she was in the, the you know the original War of the Ancients, guys. She knows what she's doing. Yeah, she just didn't really choose to do that a whole lot of the time. She was always the moderate voice, but now, no, you're seeing that that deadly, fluent, elegant grace of of not just the Night Warrior, but of Tyrande in and bearing her experience. Because, and I think that's part of the things that I think is important too. Like she's not just the Night Warrior. She's not just somebody who doesn't have knowledge of combat or self-awareness and is just given this immense power and then immediately, you know, knows how to do everything. She's not Billy from the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, where as soon as he uses his power coin, he goes from being the bumbling, awkward, you know, person that stumbles over his, his own two feet to, you know, being a martial arts master. No, she, she has all these years of experience and now she just has the power that, that backs that up in such a, a complimentary way. It's that fluid, deadly grace and it's on display. Like I'm not even a hundred percent sure she was leveraging the, the night warrior power here because like even he said, like Nathaniel says, Oh, you know, you've really grown into your power. No, I think her limiters just got pulled off. I think that maybe she just stopped caring about holding back. And you're starting to see what a night elf at peak form could do. Because, like, there was no spells. The only thing she really did is, like, when the blight hounds were coming, uh, you had the strikes of the moonbeams, which was absolutely glorious and beautiful. But that's it. She didn't display any other overt power. That could be all her. And that's, quite frankly, yeah. Quite frankly, those two moonbeams. She's done stuff like that in the past. She yeah. Didn't need, yeah, she didn't need the night warrior for that. Yeah, and maybe maybe that's the secret of the night warrior. Maybe that's why the night warrior burns out the people that it's in. Is that instead of giving them just extra juice, maybe it just takes off the inhibitors, and you're starting to see the full potential of what elves can do. And I think that's fantastic because elves have been around for so long in various forms. They've tapped into all sorts of different powers. And she's not a young elf. She's been around for a very long time. Like, that's that's the part that I love about this is, like, I think this was her. I think this was not the Night Warrior. I think this was just her showing Nathanos how much she already outclassed him. Yep. And also, I got to say, completely unrelated, but I want those weapons. Right? Oh, those God, they're odd. so pretty. Those things are really nice. So pretty. Oh, beautiful. But I think that's it, unless there's anything else you want to add. I think we're done a little early for once, but uh, we did start the pre-show a little early. Sorry, guys, but it happens sometimes. Oh, we're, I think uh, we're right on schedule-ish, maybe a couple minutes yeah. short. I want to remind Joe, however, now to do that thing that you forgot to do last week. 
Did I forget to do it last week? I thought I did it. Yeah, you you, you did it after like I'd started. And you're like, oh, I have to do this. So fair enough. This time I'm letting you do it. <laughs> well, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at Patreon.com/slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast sighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast for the queue, and an answer site experience. Uh, and for you, the listeners, Blizzard Watch. Uh, of Blizzard Watch, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day trial. Uh, basically, it gives you a great opportunity to check out the service, or maybe pick up on one of those books. Maybe you don't want to don't want to have to read before uh, Shadows Rising. You can listen to it instead, uh, and it's a great opportunity uh, because I believe it's the voice actress for Talanji that reads the book, and she does an amazing job. Uh, so you can check out that and many of other of Blizzard's other titles and thousands of more at blizzardwatch.com slash audible. Very much, Joe. Uh, again, guys, if you have a question for the show, you can either go to podcast at blizzardwatch.com, our email address, and you can send us an email. Please put podcast or blizzardwatch in the email so we know it's for this show. Or you can go to our Discord server. Uh, we've got the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel or the Q Questions channel. Either we can ask questions if you're not. Obviously, the second one. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, for sending us those questions, being here in the chat, and for generally just letting us do this whole podcasting thing. Uh, enjoys it. I know I enjoy it. So you guys are in. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and we'll be here again next week. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.